one was dwelling in Rajagriha at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with the great gathering of the Sangha of monks and the great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called Profound Illumination. And at the same time, noble Abhulateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way. He saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Then, through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra, <coughs> family train, who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita, Bodhisattva Mahasattva, how should a son or daughter of noble, dressed in this way, noble Abhulateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, emptiness, there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind. Appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye datu, up to no mind datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind consciousness datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Teyata om gate gate paragate parasangati bodhisoha. Thus, Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that samadhi and praised noble Abhukateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Abhulateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, had whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, Asuras, and Gandharvas, rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. <coughs> Jandara <laughs> 
so uh, we will be giving uh, tonight an introduction to Buddhism, but we will be using the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment as an outline, so this will be no easy introduction to Buddhism. <laughs> no simple introduction to Buddhism. So the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment is actually a commentary on a text by Lord Atisha called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. So when we uh, speak of the stages of the path, um, that the, the great treatise and the lamp for the path to enlightenment fall under the category of. Um, the teachings, uh, at the core of that teaching, we find the teaching by Lord Atisha called the lamp for the path to enlightenment, that all other stages of the path teachings are commentaries on. And the crux of that teaching, or the main uh, point of that teaching, were the teachings for beings of three capacities. Uh, the teachings for beings, uh, I'm sorry, the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity, the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and the teachings for beings of great capacity. So uh, the stages of the path uh, uh, teachings uh, explain or elucidate the meaning of those three different scopes. <laughs> First, we begin with the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity. These teachings show how one through various practices, can achieve rebirth into the higher realms and eradicate or abandon rebirth into all of the lower realms, the hell, hungry ghost, and animal realm existence. So the teachings uh, shared in common with beings of small capacity refer to those teachings that uh, elucidate the path to the higher realms and show one how to abandon the lower realms. So this path is the what causes or uh, I'm sorry, this, uh, um, these, teaching, these teachings show the practitioner the causal vehicle for achieving higher realm rebirth. <laughs> So the teachings uh, for beings, uh, the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity are as follows. One must engage in a refuge, and that refuge is in the three jewels, the Buddha jewel, the Dharma jewel, and the Sangha jewel. One should engage in the abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities, or have an ethics which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities. And then if one engages in any non-virtue or breaks, uh, um, uh, engages in um, any non-virtue or engages in wrong actions, then uh, one must acknowledge his or her own downfalls or confess his or her downfalls. So 
uh, upon uh, independence upon these practices, one is able to achieve rebirth into the higher realms. So the teachings for being of uh, for a being of medium capacity uh, show the practitioner how to abandon cyclic existence altogether. Uh, these are the stages of the path that lead the practitioner to liberation or to, to nirvana. So these stages uh, show the practitioner how to abandon that which uh, obstructs nirvana or that which keeps one from nirvana or liberation. Uh, such things as grasping at the true establishment, as being attached, as becoming angry or hateful. All of these things block liberation. So the teachings for beings of medium capacity elucidate the pathway which abandons those negativities which keep one from liberation. So in order to abandon those negativities, one must engage in the practice of the three highest higher trainings. The highest higher training in ethics, the highest higher training in concentration, and the highest higher training in wisdom. And by practicing these three highest higher trainings, one can abandon the afflictive obstructions, one can abandon the first uh, two noble truths, the truth of suffering and the truth of origin. So through abandonment of the truth of suffering and the truth of what causes that suffering, truth of origin, one can achieve the state of liberation, which is a freedom from cyclical, ci cyclic suffering altogether. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, um, when we look at uh, the three highest higher trainings, uh, we can look at it, we can use an example uh, to explain them. Um, we see that all of them are necessary to practice in order to achieve the state of liberation. Um, just like it's necessary to have three specific parts to cut down a tree. Uh, if one wants to cut down a tree, it's necessary uh, to have first a very stable body uh, to do so with. So uh, the very stable body that's necessary to have in order to cut down a tree is compared to ethics. Ethics being the foundation or the stable body that one needs in order to achieve liberation. 
Um, if one wishes to cut down a tree, though, just a stable body alone is not enough. Uh, one also has to have a strong arm uh, uh, that will do the, the cutting down. Um, so the strong arm that's necessary to cut down a tree is compared to concentration. One must have concentration, and specifically the concentration which utilizes as its object of observation the nature of reality or emptiness um, uh, in order to achieve uh, uh, liberation. So uh, concentration um, is compared to that strong arm that one needs uh, in order to cut down a tree. Just the, a strong basis uh, and a strong arm um, together are not alone, uh, enough to cut down a tree. One also needs to have some sort of weapon or axe. Um, and then wisdom is compared to that, that axe or that uh, um, uh, weapon that one would need to cut the tree down. Um, so here the wisdom we're speaking of specifically is the wisdom which utilizes as its object of observation emptiness. So it becomes a special insight whose object of observation um, is emptiness. So in dependence upon these three highest higher trainings, one is able to cut the root of cyclic existence in the same way that the uh, axeman is able to cut a tree down. Um, so uh, uh, the root of cyclic existence is abandoned by applying these highest higher trainings. Uh, because these higher trainings become an antidote to such things as the three poisons um, and then ultimately uh, the, uh, su uh, all suffering. Um, so all suffering and its causes. Um, so the antidote um, to uh, suffering um, and its causes uh, um, is the three highest higher trainings. Uh, and these fall into the teaching shared in common with beings of medium capacity. So this idea that one um, abandons the origin of suffering uh, and then gets rid of suffering by doing so and achieves liberation uh, can be found in the Hinayana vehicle as well. Um, so this is in common because the lesser vehicle, the, the hearer's uh, vehicle and the solitary realizer's vehicle uh, contained within in the lesser vehicle, all show one how to abandon the cause of suffering and, and then uh, uh, by doing so, uh, uh, how one achieves liberation. Um, so this is a teaching in common uh, with the lesser vehicle um, also. So the um, teachings uh, shared in common with beings of medium capacity um, are those which show one how to achieve liberation for themselves alone, or a nirvana for themselves alone. Um, the teachings for beings of great capacity are teachings for the being who not only recognizes his or her own suffering, 
um, and wishes to be free from it, but also recognizes that other sentient beings, or uh, I'm sorry, that all other sentient beings share that same common thread of suffering, and then because of this realization, wishes to free them. So uh, um, then the I, the, the the teaching the um, being of great capacity then engages in the practices of love and compassion and the mind that aspires to enlightenment in order to free others from uh, their suffering as well. Um, so the, the medium scope teachings uh, show one how to personally achieve liberation. Um, so this would be common to the Hinayana. Um, but the great vehicle teachings show one how to not only free oneself, but also focus on other suffering and wish to free them as well. So this uh, uh, idea is specific to the great vehicle and specific to the teachings of beings of great capacity. So uh, great, just a translator's note, great vehicle is the translation of Mahayana and uh, lesser vehicle is the translation of Hinayana, uh, the two kinds of teachings. So just a translator's note uh, of what I'm using to translate those two Sanskrit terms that are usually used, uh, but we don't speak Sanskrit, we speak English, so I'm trying to use the English terms. So if we look at the generation of this mind that aspires to enlightenment, or bodhicitta, uh, if we look at how one would get such a mind, we find two causal lineages, or two lineages uh, which uh, give uh, two different sets of instructions uh, for achieving this mind that aspires to enlightenment. And the basis of the teaching, uh, so there are two. The first is called the seven point cause and effect for realizing or achieving the mind that aspires to enlightenment. And uh, that primarily is passed down from Lord Atisha, um, a great Indian master. Um, and the second uh, um, um, practice causal vehicle for achieving the mind that aspires to enlightenment is called equalizing and exchanging self with others. Um, and this practice was passed down primarily from uh, Lord Shantideva, another Indian master. Um, so the, uh, uh, those two instructions uh, were passed down from Indian masters, the seven point passed down from Atisha, and equalizing and exchanging self with others from the great master Shantideva. Well, <coughs> So engage in, in by engaging in these practices uh, that uh, allow a practitioner to achieve or realize this mind that aspires to enlightenment one lessens uh, his or her self-cherishing attitude or selfishness. And by getting rid of the selfishness, the self-cherishing attitude, uh, um, one can get rid of the obstructions to omniscience, uh, the shijipakcha, which are the um, uh, imprints of the afflictions. The Hinayana practitioner, the lesser vehicle practitioner, uh, translator's note, who wishes for liberation just for themselves, only gets rid of the afflictive obstructions. 
they do not get rid of the obstructions to omniscience um, because uh, they don't engage in this practice of the mind that aspires to enlightenment. So these imprints of the imprints are still uh, present, therefore they do not achieve Buddhahood. So the great vehicle practitioner um, uh, gets rid of the self-cherishing mind and achieves the state of all-knowing. So if one uh, can practice the mind that aspires to enlightenment and then has a, and couples that with the wisdom realizing emptiness, then with those two practices engages in the deity yoga practice, um, then one can quickly eradicate the obstructions to omniscience um, and achieve Buddhahood rapidly. So uh, if one is able to do so, uh, then the deity yoga practices become a, a swift path. <laughs> The mind itself is defined by that which is in the nature of clear light and unsullied or unstained. So the stains that are within our mind are just like the stains uh, of a cloth. Um, uh, so the, our mind itself um, is not naturally stained. Our mind itself is pure, uh, is in the nature of clear light. Um, it is the attachment um, and the hatred that is within the mind that are its stains. Um, so in the same way that one can with soap wash the stains out of a cloth slowly uh, by washing it again and again and again and get a cloth to the point where there are no stains left and it's completely clean, one can clean his or her mind in the same way um, 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 by practicing, it, um, and, in, uh, practicing it, and in engaging um, in, in things that act as opponents to its faults, uh, the mind can be cleared of its defilements um, and uh, abide in its natural state, uh, which is unsullied, in its natural state of clear light. Um, so the, slowly, through practice, one can remove uh, anger, remove attachment, um, and slowly cleanse one's mind um, in the same way that a cloth could be cleaned of a stain that isn't in its, its nature. Uh, so, uh, by cleaning or by cleansing the mind of these faults that are not naturally within it, one can achieve rebirth into the higher realms of the humans, the demigods, and the gods. One can achieve the state of nirvana or liberation for oneself. One can then, and, and then ultimately, one can achieve complete. Uh, complete Buddhahood. So when we speak of, I'm going to now translate, uh, I forgot one thing, now I'm just going to translate what Rinpoche just said. Uh, when we speak of faults within the mind, 
faults within the mind refer to the grasping at things as having some true establishment, uh, being attached, uh, being hateful, being angry. These are the stains. These are the faults that we speak of. So this is the, the meaning of the, uh, the, the crux or the main meaning of the lamp for the path to enlightenment, which the translators know <coughs> this is a commentary of. What that language of the Adijah Lantern Devil is, so Ribache, uh, this evening is going to go through uh, kind of the table of contents um, in the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment. Um, just have to bear with me a little bit um, because I don't have that specifically prepared in English, but I can now. Um, so, in the NGK Becha Songo, Na Becha Chip, you, the Ewa, the Becha Chiki Ewa, you're right, Becha Nipa Ewa, you're right, Sumba Ewa, you're right, the Tambo Nyoma, NGK. In a Zutu do Tanda, Nazutu, what do you want to come to theater? You know, Becha de Ewa. The Sache, Becha de Sache, the Becha Sum, your agent, and then Lander Debat was a team of the Tambo, and this Haji Town, and the Sancho Samba Town, Jayan Town, Ati Shalos, what to do? Chuju, Chubajubis, and two others. Tambo the Chujus is So the beginning of this book, The Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment, begins with a, a prologue, um, which is an um, expression of worship or homage uh, to the great masters who came before. Uh, so there's an expression of worship to those masters, such as Manjushri uh, um, at the beginning, and then Shakyamuni, then Shachatupa, uh, Jambayangdang, and then the two trailblazers, uh, Arya, Nagarjuna, and Asanga, and Atisha. And then uh, to all the teachers of Lama Tsongkhapa. So Lama Tsongkhapa expresses his homage or worship to these past masters who um, um, made these truths available to us. So the, the beginning uh, prologue, it's called here, but it's more like an expression of worship or a, um, a homage section, uh, is paying homage to the past masters and, and his teachers. What number does Sanjay know? 
So the reason for this initial expression of worship or homage is to um, uh, create vast amounts of collections, so to create vast amounts of merit um, and to create vast amounts of exalted wisdom, the two collections that are necessary. So this expression of worship is to do just that. The reason for this is that if one accumulates merit, um, then in dependence upon the accumulate of, accumulation of merit, um, or uh, sometimes translated as virtue or goodness, but by engaging in goodness or virtue, by accumulating uh, um, merit, one can achieve those uh, results previously explained, rebirth into the higher realms, uh, into the gods in, the, in humans' realms, rebirth, I'm sorry, uh, um, liberation or nirvana, and then ultimately uh, complete Buddhahood. So by, uh, Buddha stated that by um, uh, collecting merit, by collecting the collections of merit and, and wisdom, uh, one can achieve uh, the ripening of happiness and end his or her suffering. Uh, so the Buddha stated this about the collection of merit and wisdom, so, uh, which both are, are, are virtue. Um, so by collecting virtue, uh, or goodness, one can uh, ripen happiness and, and uh, end suffering. So not the means of an abuse. That the little sooner I will have a yina and generally some of the lawyers and the marriage, London and Devotia, some of you are this, London, Devotia, Moya, the way you are this, what they are being with this, teach it this. So, in order to collect uh, uh, merit, Lama Tsongkhapa has written this homage. Uh, and written that this is a, a, a commentary on the words of the great master Atisha. Um, um, uh, so he's making ho paying homage to this great master to accumulate merit so that the text uh, is completed uh, um, successfully. So initially this is written, was written so that he could successfully complete the text uh, completely and purely, successfully, meaning completely and purely. Okay. Uh, so it's uh, similar uh, to a boy and a girl. Um, uh, the Yanja Suranang Ramche, the Pudan Pomo Shansaja, so when we, uh, okay, so you see uh, many um, kind of offerings and expressions of homage even in a marriage ceremony uh, in the Christian church. Uh, when we see a marriage ceremony between a man and a woman, uh, we see there's many uh, expressions of homage and worship that are given 
uh, in the Christian tradition. It's almost like a blessing. Uh, and the reason for it is so that um, there would be some sort of uh, uh, blessing, or, uh, the marriage will have some sort of blessing so that happiness in this life uh, will be gained. So the, the reason for getting married and having a blessing ceremony in a Christian church is to, to uh, um, uh, achieve the state of happiness in, in this life. So Buddhism and all of the different religions have these similar threats, uh, similarities. So, the next is the introduction, that, uh, um, the explanation uh, of the reason for um, this creation, the reason that uh, Tisha uh, created the stages of the path. Um, because the Buddha obviously already explained all uh, the material relative to the path. So what was the reason for Atisha um, creating these teachings for beings of small capacity, teachings for beings of medium capacity, teachings for beings of great capacity, when everything within those capacities has already been said by Buddha? So the introduction to this text uh, shows the reason for uh, um, uh, the, the creation um, of Atisha's text. The reason for the create, not this text, the re reason for the creation of Atisha's text. で、ベチで、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、やっ、や
Here the teaching that I will explain is how fortunate beings are led to Buddhahood by the stages of the path to enlightenment. So here uh, there are four divisions. One that contain the key points of all the conqueror's scriptures, meaning that all the key points that Lord Buddha spoke are contained within it, uh, the teachings uh, um, uh, for the stages of the path. Um, all the pathways forged by the great trailblazers, so all of the points of Arya Narga, Nagarjuna and Arya Sangha um, and the uh, extensive deeds lineage and the profound view lineages are passed down and contained in this work. And there are the system for supreme beings progressing, progressing to the state of omniscience. And then four fully comprise all the stages practiced by three types of persons. So uh, containing the teachings or the stages of the path for beings of uh, three capacities. So um, this, all of these four, um, and the, there's a promise to compose, um, and uh, Jay Rinpoche, or Lama Tsongkhapa, asserts that these four things will certainly be contained within the text. What is uh, the next section uh, is a section on um, uh, the stages uh, of the path that were prescribed. Um, so uh, the various different stages of the path that were prescribed, um, how one, and then how one can achieve higher realm, how one can achieve liberation, and how one can achieve uh, um, uh, Buddhahood. Those Okay, so then uh, after that uh, major heading of stages, there are the three. The uh, teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity, teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and teachings for beings of great capacity. So uh, that's where we find uh, um, those things just explained in the kind of intro of the, the great treatise text. So, and we've already gone over the meaning of those three. The teachings for beings of small, uh, no, the teachings for beings of small capacity refer to those stages of the path that lead to the higher realms. The teachings for beings of medium excuse me, medium capacity refer to those stages with, of the path which lead. Uh, beings to liberation or nirvana, and then the teachings for beings of great capacity which lead beings to uh, complete Buddhahood or the Buddha grounds literally. <laughs> 
Okay, so the next refers to the practices which lead one to the aspirational bodhicitta. Um, so how one achieves the state of aspirational bodhicitta, um, and then uh, later we find the, the practice of the six perfections, uh, etc. So here we've explained that as well, the two, two specific causal lineages for the aspirational bodhicitta. Uh, the first being the uh, Atisha's lineage of uh, seven-point cause and effect for achieving the mind that aspires to enlightenment, and then Shantideva's lineage of equalizing and exchanging self with others. So uh, and then the great treatise gets, uh, goes from the, uh, the uh, under the head, um, goes from the medium capacity, common with medium capacity teachings to the great capacity and immediately shows one how to achieve aspirational bodhicitta. What that, 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 so then uh, um, it gets into the, um, concent the explanation of the concentrations um, and then uh, <coughs> uh, how to achieve the state of calm abiding. Um, and then uh, Jay Rinpoche ex explains uh, how to achieve special insight. Now the uh, single pointed concentration um, uh, which leads to this mental quiescence um, is the sing utilizing as its object of observation emptiness. Um, and then special insights object of observation is emptiness as well. So when uh, Jay Rinpoche, uh, uh, after the explanation of the six perfections and so forth, then gets into the concentration, ex explanation of meditation, concentration, and then special insight or wisdom. And the, I, and the section uh, on uh, the, uh, the special insight is, is quite large. We could say maybe a couple of hundred, couple of hundred pages long. The share of Platon, Chita, La Pitsu. So first it goes through the six perfections. Then the whole Sandetan. Then concentration. So then concentration, um, and then the Samten, then concentration, then single pointed concentration, and then special insight or wisdom. So it goes kind of in that order in the text. 
What? Well, it goes in that order in the text. Uh, so we're finished now with this great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. <laughs> so this is a way, this is the, a very, very uh, condensed summary of the text, obviously. So first let's go then to the, the actual prologue or the... Uh, Anyone who has the text, it's, um, it's the first page in the Tibetan. In the English, there's a bunch of introductions and things of that nature that aren't in the Tibetan. Uh, and then it says prologue. So Rinpoche is at this section on prologue uh, uh, in this text, and it's really the expression of worship or homage. Um, so we're going to begin there with just some explanation of, of this. So this is the expression of worship or homage. So first this is homage to Guru Manjushri. And uh, uh, here Guru Manjushri refers to a guru that is the emanation, or guru is Sanskrit for teacher. So a teacher that is the emanation of Manjushri, uh, the Buddha of wisdom. so there are two uh, things, that, uh, two relations that Lama Tsongkhapa or Jit Tsongkhapa, the author of this text, um, has in common with Manjushri. First of all, uh, it is said that Lama Tsongkhapa is an actual emanation of Manjushri, the Buddha of Wisdom. But also, uh, it is said that Lama Tsongkhapa had a teacher-student relationship with this Buddha of Wisdom, where he would actually, as we are today, sit at a teaching and receive teachings from uh, uh, Manjushri directly. So this is the reason for the initial expression of homage to Manjushri. Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，Timothy，
for your execution of this text, so I will, but it will only be really of medium benefit what I have to say to you. So the next I bow my head to the chief of the Shakyas, whose body was formed by ten million virtues, perfect virtues, whose speech fulfills the hopes of limitless beings, whose mind sees precisely all objects of knowledge. Here, this is a homage or expression of worship to Buddha Shakyamuni. Um, translators note that's the main historical Buddha that we see here in the center. Mm. Okay, so uh, first it says whose body was formed by 10 million perfect virtues. So the Buddha, Buddha's body has uh, 80 minor marks and 32, 32 major marks and 80 minor marks, making for a total of 112 uh, marks uh, that Buddha specifically has. Um, so Buddha first accumulated uh, merit um, over, I'm sorry, first achieved the mind that aspires to enlightenment, and then after that accumulated merit for three countless eons. Um, so that accumulation of merit over three countless eons um, served to form uh, this body, this perfect body um, that the Buddha possesses, that possesses those 112 marks. So this is why it says 10 million perfect virtues. This is referring to the three countless eons uh, the Buddha dedicated to accumulating merit uh, that formed this perfect body. Uh whose speech fulfills the hopes of limitless beings uh, and whose mind sees precisely all objects of knowledge the kongika the sangi Malaysia uh, okay, so then whose speech fulfills the hopes of limitless beings, meaning the perfect accumulation of speech, the Buddha's perfect speech that uh, can fill all hopes of limitless beings, whose mind sees precisely all objects of knowledge. 
So the Buddha has abandoned all afflictions, the abandoned uh, the, uh, obstructions to omniscience as well as, the, I'm sorry, the afflictive obstructions as well as the obstructions to omniscience. So the Buddha has the ability to apprehend simultaneously all objects of knowledge, just as we would see a form. So just as we would see something, a form is something like this. Just as we would see a form, the Buddha uh, cognizes all phenomena or all objects of reality simultaneously. So uh, um, um, this is the quality of Buddha's mind, um, uh, that he sees all objects of knowledge because of these uh, afflictions, these obstructions, because all of the obstructions that keep one from doing so, keep everyone from doing so, have been abandoned. So it is stated that the Buddhist uh, um, has this uh, uh, perfect speech um, that fulfills the hopes of limitless beings this, uh, with the 60 melodies and the speech that um, if 1,000 questions were uttered or asked in 1,000 different languages to Buddha, Buddha would be able to utter one response um, and that language uh, and that response would answer all of the questions simultaneously being asked in a thousand different languages by a thousand different people. Um, so this is a quality of the Buddha's speech and why it fulfills the hopes of limitless beings. That's good. So this is a, an expression of homage, an expression of a prostration, prostration to uh, Lord uh, Shakyamuni Buddha. So where these, uh, so Buddha Shakyamuni is the true root of these teachings. Uh, when we look at the teachings that are shared in common, or the teachings that are the stages of the path for beings of three capacities, these uh, teachings um, all uh, at their core come from Buddha Shakyamuni. So this is why Lama Tsongkhapa expresses his uh, worship to Buddha Shakyamuni because all of the teachings contained within the text and those are the teachings for beings of three capacities uh, uh, were spoken initially by Buddha. Um, so this is the why Buddha is paying homage to. So here it says head of the Shakyas. That was the uh, clan or the uh, um, uh, that the Shakyas, the the order that uh, Buddha was born into, uh, the kingdom, uh, the order that he was uh, born into, the Shakya clan. So, because the, the place was called the place of Shakyas, also, we call him Shakya Muni Buddha, where he was born, the, the Shakya. Okay. 
So then now it says, I bow down to Ajita. Ajita is the word for uh, another word that they use for Maitreya, the future Buddha. And to Man Jugosha, here this is Manjushri, uh, referring to Manjushri, the supreme heirs of the unequal teacher. Um, Having assumed the burden of all the conqueror's deeds, they emanate in innumerable uh, uh, Buddha realms. Ale, gombe lodrugi luptang tomeu. Mare ale tomeu tomeu. Shambadang jambeya. Shambadang jambeya ngucho ngucho. Dilapsar. Dhamen nomba te se jichu. Jayun jabak ngucho konanes. Dhamen nomba te se jichu. Jayun jambeya ta matriya ni marga. This hanji ke do tang ha. Tijie teme kongalo kunyi ke gaya so here it says, I bow down to Maitreya and Manjushri, the supreme heirs of the unequal teacher. Um, having assumed the burden of all the conqueror's deed, they emanate in innumerable Buddha lands. So if we look at all of the Buddha's teachings, we can see that the true holders of those teachings, the ones that held them together, the two that really did uh, were Lord Maitreya and Manjushri. So uh, they were the holders of the Dharma. Um, so Lama Tsongkhapa is paying homage to them um, <coughs> out of humility because they were the true, true beings that kept, kept the Dharma held together. So it's similar to two sons <coughs> um, um, uh, in, it's, in tradition. Uh, um, children would do the work uh, that their fathers would do, would get into the business that their fathers do. Um, so it's similar to two sons of a father who are carrying on the tradition of their father. Um, so that's uh, what Maitreya and Manjushri are compared to uh, when relating to Shakyamuni Buddha. They're compared to the two sons that carry on the um, tradition of the father. What tradition is that? So this is why what is stated here is stated. No. So then we go over the two trailblazers. So then we go over the two trailblazers. So here's a prostration where it says, I bow to the feet uh, of Nagarjuna and Asanga. So though Nagarjuna and Asanga are referred to as the two trailblazers, thoroughly renowned throughout the three levels, ornaments of Jambu Vipa, who wrote exact commentaries on the intent in, on the intent of the mother of conquerors, so difficult to fathom. <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
So the mother of the conquerors here refers to the perfection of wisdom teachings. And the perfection of wisdom teachings are considered, um, as it says here, uh, 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 let's see, so difficult to fathom. So the perfection of wisdom teachings uh, refer to the 100,000 verse perfection of wisdom sutra, the 20,000 verse perfection of wisdom sutra, the 8,000 verse perfection of wisdom sutra, and then the condensed form that we see even in the heart sutra well, um, uh, is a condensed form of all of those just mentioned. So. Uh, or the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, it's called in this book. Um, so uh, the, the teachings contained within those are very difficult to fathom. And uh, they fall into the category of the Great Vehicle, or the Mahayana. And it's truly Lord Nagarjuna and Lord Asanga who were able to elucidate or able to clarify the meaning of the perfection of wisdom. So it's for that reason that Lama Tsongkhapa makes prostration to or pays homage to those two great trailblazers because they were the ones who were able to clarify the meaning of the perfection of wisdom teachings within the Mahayana. That's why you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. That's good. So it says they wrote exact commentaries on the intent. So they uh, were able to uh, elucidate these meanings with their commentaries or with their writings uh, uh, about the perfection of wisdom. ソソナリティバテバチェミチュチュトゥトゥゴロアネレザブシェトゥアマレスバカオシェバカオレスアネソンジチュロマジュバイナティシュウルテトゥシェケンツュヨウレスタバカトゥゴロナスバカオアネソ
teach the great vehicle, or elucidate the great vehicle, but specifically the middle way view of the great vehicle. So he prophesies that. And then he also prophesies that 900 years after his passing, that Lord Asanga would come, um, uh, and uh, Tome. And Asanga uh, was responsible for elucidating the mind-only school teachings um, and the, the practical applications. So practical applications of the Mahayana, um, as well as the mind-only school view. So Asanga was responsible for that. Uh, so Buddha prophesied um, in scripture these great masters arriving, and, and they did. Okay. 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 So, the story of Nagarjuna is as follows. So, 400 years after the Buddha's passing um, in, into Nirvana, uh, Nagarjuna was born. And uh, Nagarjuna's parents brought him to uh, um, a palm reader. Um, and the palm reader uh, looked at his hand and said to Nagarjuna's parents, you have a very wonderful child. Um, and then said, but he's only going to live to be seven. So um, the, the parents uh, thought to themselves, this you know, doesn't make any sense. And they became worried and they didn't want to have a, ch a child pass so early. So they didn't know what they could do. And they asked this palm reader what they could do. Uh, and uh, he stated that you could take him to Nalanda Monastery. This would be the best thing for the child um, in his short life. So uh, he, the child's parents brought him to Nalanda Monastery. And the child uh, had, at this point, learned to play a little bit of guitar, actually. Uh, uh, Nagarjuna uh, learned to actually play the guitar a little bit. And he was playing the guitar. And this great master, Sarahapa, heard him playing the guitar and invited him into uh, his quarters. Uh, and he asked Nagarjuna, uh, what's wrong? Because Nagarjuna, and this is obviously Nagarjuna at seven years old we're talking about. Nagarjuna said, I'm saddened, I'm playing music because I will only live to seven. And uh, 
He was uh, seventh. The Duke did con lo dun racing. I'm not lo I'm already seven. I'm playing music because I'm seven, and they've prophesied that I will die at seven, so there's nothing more I can do. Um, so I, I've just given up, and I'm just trying to um, pass the days until I die. And Sarah Hoppe said, there's no worry. Um, uh, you will live mu long past seven because I have the method uh, for you uh, to lengthen your lifespan. So he followed the instructions of his master and actually lived to, um, uh, according to history, to be 700 years old. So Nagarjuna uh, has books, there's 700 years uh, of books, so um, it's stated that his life was expanded through uh, mis mystical practices to 700 years. So then he began to study at Nalanda Monastery. And just translators note, Nalanda was the great monastery of India uh, where all the great masters and commentators came out of. That's where the main place they studied Buddha Dharma was and debated it. So it's where Nagarjuna, Aryadeva, Chandrakirti, all these masters studied. So just a note where we're talking about when we say Nalanda. ตัวนี้อันตัวปูนี่ก็ครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับคร
the Naga's realm. Um, and then he brought them back to be able to elucidate the meaning. So then Aryanabhana, uh, the great master Nagarjuna, wrote many commentaries um, on the perfection of wisdom, the six treatises of uh, um, Nagarjuna, and so on. So there were many commentaries on the perfection of wisdom written. So this is the uh, mostly the view. Uh, no, he created. Uh, he cre most of his creations or most of his works were about the middle way view. The middle way view. The Madhyamaka view. And then 900 years later, Arya Sangha arrived. And uh, he and Basu Bandhu were half brothers. They had the same mother. So Lord Asanga, uh, there is a story, and this is condensed again, uh, that he wanted to achieve the realization of uh, the Buddha Maitreya. He wanted to see Maitreya directly. So he went into retreat for 12 years, um, and after a series of uh, ups, of, of downs, uh, a series of um, problems and inability, not problems, but um, uh, a series of events happened and he wasn't able to see uh, Maitreya. And then at the end of 12 years, something happened, uh, and a, um, a, uh, an experience happened, and he was able to see uh, Lord Maitreya. And Lord Maitreya brought him from our world to the Tashita Pure Lands and, and taught the perfection of wisdom, and then taught the um, five great treatises of Maitreya to him. And then he brought back the five great treatises of Maitreya to our world system, and those are known as the five great works of Maitreya. Uh, and they're from uh, a Sangha who traveled to uh, the Pure Land and was taught them by, Maitre by Maitreya. Uh, and then a Sangha, Satanga, uh, Satanga. Uh, uh, the, oh, uh, the, the seven books of Arya Asanga. And Asanga wrote books that were commentaries um, on these texts. Uh, he wrote uh, books such as the Bodhisattva Grounds um, and some of the other texts, I don't know the exact name of, but he wrote texts that were commentaries on Maitreya's uh, root texts. Uh, so mostly the view of the mind-only school. So in the Heart Sutra we read at the beginning of class, you find a lot of negations. You find a lot of there is no this, there is no that, there is no this. The Chikshina Me Chik Jason, the Me Me Me, the Donut 
Um, negations of the um, mode of existence. So the, um, in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, it says, uh, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. So the negations here are referring to the emptiness of the objects that are seemingly, uh, uh, that seem to be negated relative to existence. So there is no negation of existence, because they do exist. There is negation of how. Um, so here, uh, um, the, um, the text states that these things are empty. Um, so the crux of Nagarjuna's explanation was why. So why these things are empty, um, etc. And then, <coughs> in the Heart Sutra, we find um, that mantra that says, Te Ata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasam Gate Bodhisoha. That mantra that is within it um, is referring to the Mahayana paths, uh, the five Mahayana paths, the five Mahayana paths of the hearer's vehicle, the five Mahayana paths of the solitary realizer's vehicle, and the five Mahayana paths of the Bodhisattva vehicle. So uh, when we see Teata Om Gate, the first Gate is the path of accumulation. Uh, um, uh, the second Gate, Teata Om Gate Gate, the second Gate is the path of preparation. Parasam Gate refers to the path of seeing. No, I'm sorry. Paragate refers to the path of seeing. Parasamgate refers to the path of, of meditation. Bodhisoha refers to the path of no more learning. So the entire paths to uh, Mahaya, paths, Mahayana and Hinayana, are explained or implicitly meant within that mantra. So um, uh, um, the, the negations uh, refer to emptiness, and that mantra uh, refers to the five paths. So implicitly within it, um, uh, this being a Mahayana teaching, and then translators note that the two trailblazers, Nagarjuna, who spoke of emptiness, and Asanga, who spoke also a lot of pathway. So that the explanation of path within that would come from the Asanga's view. What the Nidha uh, so, we can even say that uh, um, in this Heart Sutra, that the um, Sanskrit mantra could be uh, referred to teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity, because included within it, uh, it uh, that isn't all <coughs> it contains, but included within it, um, are the paths of accumulation, preparation, seeing, meditation, and no more learner for the hearer um, uh, implicitly meant, and the paths of accumulation, preparation, seeing, meditation, and no more learning for the Prachika Buddhas, um, so, uh, uh, or solitary realizers. Um, so uh, that mantra also <coughs> contains the teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity. Translators note, even though this is a Mahayana Sutra. The teaching shared in common with beings of medium capacity are Hinayana division. What did you do, Lada Rajadamanda? 
So Asanga really elucidated all of these things, the five paths, accumulation, only same once, five paths, accumulation, preparation, seeing, meditation, and no more learning for the hearers, for the solitary realizers, for the bodhisattvas, and then for the bodhisattvas, <coughs> all of the grounds uh, um, um, that uh, are traversed by the bodhisattva, the ten grounds um, that coincide with some of the paths, uh, um, so the five grounds, the ten paths. So all of these explanations were really clarified by Lord Asanga, the stages and so forth, um, for these different types of beings here, solitary realizers and bodhisattvas. So then it says, I, so here it says, I bow once again to the feet of Nagarjuna and the Sangha, thoroughly renowned throughout the three levels, ornaments of Jambu Viva. Uh, Jambu Viva, by the way, is this world system, uh, who wrote exact commentaries on the intent of the mother of conquerors so difficult to fathom. So this is a prostration to <coughs> Nagarjuna and Asanga for reason <coughs> just explained. So all of the, um, so here the next is, um, and then I bow to Dipamkara Atisha, bearer of the treasury of instructions that compromise the key points unmistaken and complete of the paths of the profound view and vast deeds transmitted well from those two great trails players, trailblazers. So the profound, the view lineage um, is Arya uh, Nagarjuna's lineage uh, that is passed down to Lord Atisha, and the vast deeds lineage is Arya uh, uh, Asanga's lineage that is passed down to Lord Atisha. So Lord Atisha um, 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 is the bearer of the treasury of instructions, and what treasury of instructions the instructions passed down from Lord uh, Nagarjuna and uh, uh, Asanga. So the, those are the two, um, uh, the, the treasures, the treasury of instructions are the instructions passed down by Asanga and Nagarjuna that Atisha holds. So the, oh, the, yeah, Jason. So the, um, all, I forgot one thing, uh, uh, and then the example is that um, uh, all of the water um, in the mountains rivers run into, runs into the ocean, and Lord Atisha is compared to the ocean um, that all of the teachings run into. Um, so, uh, um, Lord Atisha is compared, yeah, that's it, Lord Atisha is compared to an ocean, um, and all the teachings compared to all the waters uh, in the world that run into that vast ocean.
eloquent, uh, uh, an, elo it's a, a, an ocean of eloquence, Rinpoche said. It's a, an, uh, an ocean of beauty. Um, all of these beautiful uh, works um, are, are accumulated into this vast ocean of, of beauty, this beautiful ocean of work. Um, uh, uh, it's condensed into this beautiful ocean of work. So then I bow with respect to the teachers who with deeds of skill and means moved by loving concern illuminate for the fortunate the gateway leading to liberation the eye for viewing all the limitless scriptures. So here this is a this is an, an expression of uh, prostration or respect to Lama Tsongkhapa's teachers um, who passed down um, all of these uh, teachings to him um, and, and made it possible for him to teach and realize them in his life. Um, so he bows down to teachers such as the great Sakya Randawa and Umapa. Um, Jay Rinpoche had so many different teachers. Uh, uh, Umapa. Umapa. Lama Umapa. Lama Umapa. Not, Rinpoche heard Marpa. He wanted to make sure I didn't say Marpa. So Lama Umapa uh, and Randawa, uh, these were all uh, his teachers. And he's had, he had many, many teachers. And this is an expression of worship or homage to his teachers um, who, with deeds of skill and means, moved by loving concern, illuminate for the fortunate the gateway leading to liberation. So before Lama Tsongkhapa, this name Galupa didn't exist. So first, uh, uh, Lama Tsongkhapa's teachers were Kaju lineage. Uh, so first, uh, Jay Rinpoche studied the Kaju teacher from Karmapa Ripi Dorje um, and studied those teachings. Um, and then after uh, Lama Tsongkhapa um, wrote many texts um, uh, after receiving teachings from the other lineage holders, then the order of Galupa was formed. Um, so before Lama Tsongkhapa was the uh, uh, one who originator of that order called the Galupa. Next year. I will Okay. So then, uh, um, uh, the Karmapa Ripi Dor uh, Dorje actually had a uh, direct realization um, of Yamantaka, Lord Yamantaka. He was a Yamantaka practitioner and directly realized or saw. Yamantaka. And Yamantaka told him that uh, next year, or in a year from now, I will uh, um, um, uh, appear 
um, and this other place, um, and this is Tulum and Tsongkhapa. Um, I, I, there's some detail, I think one or two words that might make it more specific that I might have missed, but uh, he prophesied a year later this Lama Tsongkhapa would have this same meeting uh, with Yamantaka. Juju Dundur Rinchen is another uh, uh, Kaju Lama. What the Kony Vijay Dabuja? So he gave uh, Jay Rinpoche the vows um, and then many teachings on Sutra and Tantra. Um, so uh, these masters that we're speaking of were responsible for his ordination and, and initial studies. Then they Rinpoche, Chikshin and Dutsu Sarge. So this is another question. What that is that? That's what you were saying. That's what you were saying. So, um, I said, uh, it looks like we're almost out of time. People might have questions. And Rinpoche said, that's enough for tonight, probably for everyone. Um, so, uh, the prologue section, it's not split up in the uh, English, but it is kind of in the Tibetan. This, this section is complete uh, from tonight. So, we, we went over it before, but once again, we've, we've completed to beginning with homage to Guru Manjushri and ending with the eye for viewing all limitless scriptures. So uh, that's where we are. Then Jay Rinpoche went to Lhasa um, and studied Kaju, Sakya, and Oh, from all. Okay, so first in Amdo, where he was from, he received the Kaju teachings, and then went to Lhasa and received teachings of all the other lineages, Sakya, and Kaju. So then uh, um, he became. He, uh, after he uh, became a scholar, then he became the, the, their teachers. Wow. So then, um, oh, I, do we have it? We must somewhere. Uh, so the, yeah, we have it. So in the, um, uh, the mantra for Lama Tsongkhapa, um, I'm going to find it so we can do it exactly. The mantra for Lama Tsongkhapa, it's not in this. The Dada Lagu in the mantra, <laughs> still in the mantra of. We have it in here, just bear with me. If anybody can just find it real quickly, because you do this practice the all the time, page. that'd be great. Where's the mantra page? Okay, so uh, the Lama Tsongkhapa's uh, prayer says, You are Abul Kateshvara, great treasure um, of an unimaginable compassion, and Manjushri, master of stainless wisdom, and Vachrapani. Lord of the secret destroyer of hordes of Maras without exception, Tsongkhapa, crown jewel of the sages of the land of snows, Lozandrapa, I make requests at your lotus feet. That prayer, Lama Tsongkhapa originally wrote with Randawa, Sakya Randawa's name in it. Um, it, it said, uh, Sakya Randawa, crown jewel of the sages of the land of snows, because uh, Randawa was his teacher. Um, and they actually turned into, they had a relationship where they were, they were both each other's teachers. 
So he came to Randawa with this Mimetzewit prayer, with Randawa's name in it, um, and he said that, uh, I can't uh, accept this, I can't put my name in there, you are the only uh, crown jewel of the land of, sages of the land of snows. Um, so then uh, um, Kappa's students began using this as his mantra. Um, but initially, Lamentson, I had no idea, so that's why I'm so amazed. Initially, Lamentson Kappa wrote this for Sakya Randawa. What the news? So, um, does anybody have any questions? Um, I know we covered a lot of information. Um, and, uh, so, if anybody has any questions, even like about pra practice or uh, practices, it's fine to ask any, anything you'd like right now. Going once? So, um, the best um, antidote or opponent uh, to laziness is meditation upon it, our impermanence. Meditation upon our momentary disintegration and that uh, 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 we've seen that people have passed from our lives and that we certainly, too, will pass. Um, and this is one certain thing, um, that we are disintegrating momentarily. So when we meditate upon per impermanence and recognize um, this about ourselves and recognize this about others, then this will tend to serve as an opponent to laziness. <laughs> So we think about impermanence and then the, the bad, or uh, the badness, it's not really a word, the negativity of misdeeds, um, and then the pemba, uh, the dibi, and then the benefit, and then the virtue, uh, the benefits of virtue. So uh, we think of impermanence, we think of the downfalls of negativities, and then we think of the benefits of virtue. What does it sometimes matter? So think of this. So this is the time of Sakadawa, the time of the birth of the Buddha. Very beneficial time. So it's the time of expansion. So if today we engage in one virtuous activity, one hundred thousand virtues come to us during this time, not just today, during this part of the uh, this time called the month of the Buddha. Uh, it's a very special time now. It's called the time of expansion, and one virtue equals 100,000. So this month we celebrate uh, um, uh, the, um, the Buddha arriving, uh, the Buddha, um, the Buddha, the, the many different things, but such as the, the Buddha arriving, the Yanjasurna. Okay, so the Buddha coming, being born, coming into this world, uh, achieving nirvana, turning the wheel of dharma, um, and then passing into nirvana. So 
uh, that's what the, this month of celebration of Sakadawa celebrates. The Buddha coming into this <coughs> world, achieving uh, nirvana, turning the wheel of dharma, uh, coming into this world, uh, 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 yeah, that's it. Achieve, the, achieve, oh, I see, achieving Buddhahood, turning the wheel of dharma, and then passing to nirvana. So during this month, uh, Tibetans uh, call it Sakadawa. Okay, so the first through the fifteenth day on the Tibet I'm sorry, I don't know the Tibetan calendar very well. But the first through the fifteenth day on the Tibetan calendar is considered Sakadawa. And during this time Tibetans are a, Always engaging in practices, more more practices during this time. Maybe Mongolian tradition is the same. Same. Maybe the Chinese tradition is also the same. Uh, maybe the month might be a little different, but the tradition is the same, or the what it celebrates is the same. Brahma and Thailand all um, celebrate this. Any, any other questions? Uh, that's enough. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, do the concluding dedication um, and monitor offering prayer only in English. <coughs> Thank you everyone for your patience and listening. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this is a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. Okay, whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and in, teachings and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever, I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. Whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the heavenly realm of Tibet, surrounded by a chain of snow mountains, the source of all happiness and health for beings is Tenzin Gyatso, Chen Rezkin person. May his life be secure for hundreds of Kalpas. I pray for the long life of the precious Tenzin Wanda, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance.